Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. I know we all talk about shifting our mindset, but let's talk about the science behind how we actually can do that. Joining me today is Sarah Dean. She's a writer, speaker, and innovator, and an entrepreneur who's brought cognitive science and human behavior together to really dive deep into what motivates us, what keeps our habits the way they are, and how we can ultimately shift what we're doing for our highest level of growth and productivity. That's right. Let's get carried away. Hello, everyone. This is Carrie Murray. I'm so excited that I am joined with Sarah Dean today. She is a speaker, a writer, an innovator, and is working in all the, all the things when it comes to AI, cognitive science, and human behavior. I know you're thinking, what? Me too. <laughs> but then I saw what she was talking about. I've been to her website. You guys are going to be blown away with my guest, uh, Sarah Dean, founder of Mevolution. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Carrie. So awesome to be here. Thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, I'm so, it was so great to get your email or whoever pitched me for you to be on the podcast because nobody I know or have seen is doing what you're doing, which is what, you know, an entrepreneur's dream, right? You want to have yeah. that, that innovative idea. But um, and so when I was kind of going down the rabbit hole of human, you know, it's like all this AI and, you know, artificial intelligence and <laughs> cognitive science. I was just like, damn, she might be too smart to be on my podcast. Oh, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. They're just really big words that people use to describe things. You know? I love it. I love it. But I'm dying to know, and I did see a little bit about your bio, um, that you have been kind of interested in the brain um, neuroscience for a while. I mean, as a girl, you know, who was, were you jumping rope playing hopscotch or were you just studying how the brain works? Like what, what, what was 10 year old Sarah doing? Well, yeah, so it's interesting. I have my, my father to thank for that. He's a neuroscientist. So, um, you know, I, when computers came along, you know, those first big bulky personal computers, if anyone remembers those, oh, yeah. right. Um, and you had to type up stuff for the first time. My dad didn't really do a great job of typing up his papers. And I used to do that. I used to sit and type up his papers. I didn't have a clue what they were about. I didn't understand any of the, the stuff. It seemed like Latin to me, to be honest with you. Um, but I was just always really fascinated about the brain and this research and, and things like that. And I would always ask questions like, why would people be doing what they were doing? Like you'd see yeah. something on the news or over here, the adults talking about something. And I'd be like, well, why would someone do that? <laughs> like right. humans fascinate me. I guess you could just say, basically, I love people watching. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's probably, that's the cusp of it, right? I love a good laugh at humanity. No, I'm joking. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, that, yeah, I just, I, the, the brain fascinates me. I think it's literally the most powerful thing around. And um kind of creeps me out that we have something so powerful inside us that we don't yet really understand fully as well, you know? Right, right. Um, but yeah, I so that's I, what I was doing. I love that. And then as you were kind of like going through your formative years, you're getting ready to go to college, like all of us. I mean, did you think this is what I want to do? I want to, you know, pursue whether it's cognitive science or human behavior. Where did you find the marriage between them? So it's an interesting story to get to where we were going to get to here today. 
um, because so 10 year old Sarah, people, people have told me since that I used to say I was going to move to America and run my own business. I'm from England. If you can't, if you can't tell. Um, so people used to say, I used to say this, I have no recollection of it. So 10 year old Sarah clearly thought she was going to go and run her own business. But if you told me it was a space of personal development, like, and well-being and all of this, I would have been like, uh, no, not even 25 year old Sarah would have probably said it would be in this space. So when I went to uni, yeah, university, mm-hmm. like uh, AI had just started coming around more and more. Um, that was back before face detection was really a thing that was out there. And I was like, oh, well, AI is perfect because I like technology that was kind of coming more and more. Right. And um, and I love the brain. So for me, AI was like the perfect choice for, for university. And how many women were in your program? <laughs> I think there were five in my computer science, um, my bachelor's. And then when I went to do my master's, I think I was the only one at the time, actually. Really? Yeah. And what would you say was the makeup? Was it all white guys? I mean, was there any diversity? Well, I'm from England. So at the so, time, that was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I get it. London, I'm from London and it's huge, like it's hugely, hugely multicultural there, right? So yeah, there's, there's lots of different people. But uh, at the time at uni, the mix was not massive, mm-hmm. right? Back then the mix was not massive. It was mostly, um, most, well, like I said, undergrad, I was one of five girls. And right. um, there was definitely no one Guyanese. My parents are Guyanese. So mm-hmm. I was, there was definitely no Guyanese people there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but wow. it was an interesting and time, right? We've come a long I way bet. since. Yeah. And when, um, did you feel when your, your program um, with the other four women, was there any competition? Did you guys look at each other as like, let's, let's, it's just us ladies. Like, let's bond together. <laughs> to be honest, I have to say no. Like we were all just so great. like, I had a bunch of, at the time, like, well, look at the mix of the class, right? Like most of my friends were male. Yeah. So um like no, we didn't. I didn't feel any any of that from any of the women, or like no one really. To be honest with you, I never even really thought about it. Wow, I never actually never even crossed my mind. I'm mm-hmm. oh, I'm the only woman here. I was much more focused on on what it was we were trying to do, like yeah. make sure I was having a good time at uni. <laughs> like, sure, like yeah. I, you know, making sure like I, I don't. It, People ask me this question a lot and I almost feel bad when I thought like it honestly God didn't even cross my mind. It crosses my mind now more than it did at the time. I never once was like, oh, I'm one of the only girls here. Mm-hmm. Like that's it just didn't. Huh. Well, I think that's fascinating because now maybe we're more hyper aware of it. Maybe we're yeah. like, okay, you know, we're, we're, it's really in the forefront with the, you know, Me Too movement and Time's Up movement yeah. and everything. We might be like, yeah. wait a minute, there aren't enough women in this room. Where are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was lucky. Like everyone I knew, all my lecturers, I loved my uni. I had the best lecturers. Where did you go? Best group of friends. I went to the University of Southampton okay. and I had awesome lecturers. They just taught us so well. And I was really buzzed about what I was doing. And I had the best friends there. So supportive. We were a team. Like it, I was just really lucky. I, you know, maybe not everyone's experiences like that, but I was just really lucky. And also I'm always like, look, I'm not too bothered about stuff, to be honest with you. I'm just going to focus on what I need to get done. And like, I just, the rest I, of yeah, yeah, I just don't have the, the time or energy for it. So that brings us full circle into what I work on today, actually. So maybe somewhere deep down, I, uh, I already felt the draw to, to kind of energy and capacity and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was super lucky. And like I said, I, 
I love those days. Anybody listening that has children, you know how they never want to hear like, oh, enjoy your time at school and stuff like that. It's like, enjoy it. It's the best days ever. (laughs) It really is, everyone. Uh, It was so easy. Like, oh, I have to go to my 10 o'clock class. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, so true. So you're, you're graduating university and what made you, what pathway did you go down to create evolution. I mean, I'm sure you didn't graduate and say, I, let's do nope. my job. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It has been quite the journey. So I, I graduated and I went off and I'd done some, you know, some works and some gigs in like, um, in the AI space. My passion is mostly around data and algorithms. I mm. love data. I love looking at data. I love looking at what data can tell me. A sentence I've never said. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see the world as a connected, like thing of like dots of data. Right. Someone once said to me, "You're you think like a database," and I was like, "Yeah, it's true. I do. I do. I think in like organized data sets. Just a bit of a weirdo, me. No. You know. Um, yeah, it's okay. I've embraced it. I like it. <laughs> but um, I found out I'm certainly not a coder. Like coding mm. did not appeal to me at all. I wasn't necessarily great at it. I found it like really annoying when the bug would happen, and then you spent ages debugging stuff, and I just didn't. I just it wasn't for me. I love more the behavioral and brain side and and the data side and stuff like that. So then I was like, hmm, well, let me go into something that involves like a little bit of everything. And that led me more into the behavioral cognitive side side of things. And I was um, really, really lucky. I got to travel the globe studying humans in one of my jobs. The way I brought it all together was I basically worked in experience design. So throughout my career, that was product, solutions, services, even space. So just all different kinds of experience design, researching people, like how to bring experiences together. I spent a fair amount of time doing that. Um, But what I noticed was when it came to measurements, because I always had a data element to anything I was doing, like Mm -hmm. measurement of something, we have loads of things to give us great insights, but we never really actually knew what to do to like guarantee results. So we spend a lot of time learning about stuff and taking evaluations, and then we never know what to do. We never like say like, oh, yes, if I do this, I'm guaranteed to move towards my goal. But it was like, so we we get a lot of insights, but the action part was lacking. And then obviously me being passionate about data and algorithms, I was like, oh, we can solve for that. Right. So I created a way to basically measure typically hard to quantify goals. Um, It's a way to measure something where the measurement itself is your roadmap. So anything you pick on that roadmap is going to move you towards your goal. So I always tell people, think about losing weight, right? Mm -hmm you need three things and these three buckets could have a lot of things underneath them. You need stuff in your environment, like access to healthy food. You need certain uh, mindset stuff, right? You need willpower to say, I'm going to have the side salad, not the French fries, right? Still working on it for myself, but you know, you need it. Right. And then you have behavioral elements like, Oh, I'm going to exercise three times a week or whatever. Right. But when you take your stock, you don't know, like, what is it I need to do to lose the weight? Cause there's all this stuff, Right. So what we've done is create this way where you can measure something and then your roadmap gets built. Um, so it sounds a bit, <laughs> bit nebulous, but that's basically it. So we've done that for a while. And then <laughs> next chapter, are you still with me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, next chapter. Um, what happened was we were doing this as my, my company and pre-pandemic or what I fondly called BC before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, stress and anxiety was already on the rise. It was actually really rare to come across someone that was like, this was like maybe 2017, uh, come across someone that was like, oh yeah, I feel great. I'm just bringing all of myself to everything before COVID, right? 
it was just not looking good for humanity even then. Um, and of course, it's a million times worse now, right? Um, but we said, like, can we apply this same kind of methodology to this space? And so those three areas, like AI, cognitive science, behavioral science, gave a really unique vantage point to be able to do that. So we created a, a model for feeling and feeling and performing your best. Mm-hmm. And then we were using that with different people, people taking the evaluation, doing different development stuff. And actually, like, it wasn't till like 2020, the data itself showed us that there was these, this set of universal capabilities that unlocked human capacity, like things that unlocked your capacity so that you could show up with more, like more of yourself. Um, And there were a set of blockers to that. So things that reduce your capacity or drain your capacity, right? And so once we found that out, that's when we pivoted um, to what we do now, which is helping people identify their blockers and then learning how to manage and, and kind of elevate their capacity. So that's what Mevolution does. Wow. So, <laughs> so what, what, okay. So what am I feeling to know that I need Mevolution? Like what, what am I as an entrepreneur, like what am I in the thick end to know that I need, I'm feeling blocked or I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need something. What, what am I, what is that? So many, many different things, right? Um, it's kind of a blueprint for being your most optimal self and your best self. So you could have many trigger points, but you might be feeling depleted. Mm. You might be feeling like I got all this stuff to do and I don't know how I'm going to do it. You might feel like you're not showing up as your best self in a specific area of life. Like I'm killing it over here, but I'm not being the best partner, right? Mm. Um, you might feel some kind of gap that you're not sure what it is. Um, you may feel like, I know I have to achieve X, Y, Z, but how the hell am I going to do it? Right. Um, so we kind of talk about like a energy scale, like if your energy poor, it normally means like you feel you are surviving, treading water, like you're not really moving forward, right. You're just sustaining, uh, energy neutral. You're more of a maintenance mode. And actually most people are in a maintenance mode. Um, and it can feel good. It can feel good, right. You, you're fine, but you're not actually thriving. That's an energy rich state. So you could be in several different moments, um, feel like I just need to have more energy. I need to be able to bring more of myself to life. Yeah. And how do you stay in an energy rich zone? Like, how do you stay up there? Because I feel like I, listening to you, I was like, oh, that was me on Tuesday. Oh yeah, that was how I felt last week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like I ebb and flow between those. Well, that's awesome, right? Because you clearly have an awareness of the state you're in. And that's the first step. The first step is an awareness of the state. The second step is be able to navigate your state. So it's not that those states go away. It's just that you train your brain how to handle it really, really well Mm. so that you don't get sucked into the negative emotions that can happen or the productivity, you know, decrease that can happen. Like say you're ruminating about something or, you know, like so that you don't. So it's basically about training your brain to really see things clearly, um, see all the options and pick the best one like all the time. Wow. You hear that brain? Yeah. The best option. Exactly. (laughs) The best option. Notice I didn't say perfect option, right? Right. It's not about perfection. It's about being your most optimal self and your most of yourself, right? As much as possible. Wow. And when, when you're working with clients and whether they're entrepreneurs or corporate, or I'm sure you work with teams of corporations and everything, what's like a through line that you see? Like, you're like, oh, you need me. You need me. You need me. You need me. We, one massive one that we see most people need to start here is um, expectations, ah. expectations they have of themselves. We call them shoulds and expectations, things that 
like literally people are making a lot of decisions and wasting a lot of energy and capacity on all these shoulds and expectations. It's massive and it's just increased like so much um, over the years that we've been doing this. I'm sure. And especially now, I don't know, I feel like when the pandemic hit, you know, it's now 2020, we have this great business and then all of a sudden we can't do it anymore. So we're everyone's panic pivoting, right? And I'm sure you see that, they eh, slow down. We don't need a panic pivot. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's more reactive, right. Than really like just taking a minute, like seeing what your options are. And that's what happens. We as humans, we just, uh, we live our life super reactively. You wake up in the morning and you react to every single demand that pops in, this comes in. And the question you ask yourself is, oh my God, how am I going to do it? You don't stop and ask yourself, should I even be doing it in the first place? Is there something I can do? Is there something I need to do? Is it something I want to do? Um, and that's where your capacity gets sucked, right? You, you can get an awful lot done if you just direct your capacity in the way that you need to. What do you think de- derails people the most from oh, gosh. They're working at their highest potential? There's a, there's a fair amount. So we, uh, the assessment that people take identifies what we call their blockers. So the things that are really like sucking their capacity. And there's, there's a lot of combinations of them. But um, repeated thoughts is a big one, like oh. rumination. Like not being able to get a thought out of your head and ruminating on it, replaying. That's a huge like energy vampire. Uh, I talked about the shoulds and the people pleasing stuff, right? Um, Comparisons is a big one. You know, really comparing um, yourself to others as opposed to just focus on comparing yourself to yourself, right? Um, Also lack of accountability. You you know, um, people are generally tend to be good at like I've done something and the outcome didn't quite work out oh well, hello I done this I'm sorry but there's also a lot of like looking at external forces and thinking that you don't have as much choice as you actually do so that's a really interesting one too it's like really seeing the power of the choices you do have um, and then the other area that is really depleting people is just not being able to live their personal values really yeah really draining it's super draining for your brain to have to think how to be like if you're wearing a mask or being any other way than is just yourself that's so draining for your brain to be like, oh, how should I be? How should I show up? Like, this is just a waste of capacity, waste of capacity. Yeah. So be your authentic self, everyone, please. Your brain is yeah. appreciates it. <laughs> your brain would so appreciate not having to deal with it. I mean, think about yourself. If you have to go to a costume party, how much more effort you have to do that than just throwing on the clothes you're comfortable in, mm-hmm. right? It's the right. same thing. Like, here's the thing. Your brain knows how to do what it does really, really well. You just have to give it the space to do it. Why do you think we block it? these types of things yeah. right we we get sucked into them and, and the reason is is people don't stop and realize like why it's happening to them they want to make a change right so they just start hitting it with a sledgehammer oh I'm just going to start doing this I'll go back to losing weight right because it's always my thing I'm trying to do right. right it's like I'm going to give up carbs stop drinking start working out let's go and it's like well first of all you need to understand why are you making the choices you're making you know, Sarah, why did you eat McDonald's five times last month? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> so you know, like, why are you making the choices you're making? And the thing is, is, is that part of that happens automatically and you have to bring an awareness to that. Like your brain is working. It's taking in this input, but it doesn't necessarily know everything. So then it pops off into its little library and it says, hey, I'm going to make my best guess. And if you've got kind of distorted stuff going on, you're not going to see super clearly. And then you're not going to maybe make the best choices. Right. right. And then your brain is just going to rely on the habits you've formed because, man, that's easy. Exactly right. And it's there. It says, mm-hmm. oh, I've done this before. And, you know, let's go there. Right. Yeah. Because it's trying to make 
sense of chaos yeah. and it's trying to make the best decision it can all the time. So you can help it by helping it make good decisions, right? By training it to make good decisions. Yeah. It's so hard to get out of that habit loop, right? So you have the trigger, you do the habit, and then you get the reward. And it just, it's so hard to be like, you'll wait, this triggering thing, to be aware of it first off, to put a light on it and say, this is why you're doing this. So, and it's also like, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. Totally. Icky sometimes, right? <laughs> it sure is, it sure is, right? But here's the thing for most of the change, you actually only have to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and just start there, you know? And so the system that we have, it's almost uh, it's like recipes to follow. You literally don't have to worry about it too much. Just answer the questions that come to you every week. That's all you have to do. Like, because it will create the space and it will train your brain to approach things differently. You don't have to worry about the rest of it. Wow. So we, we try as hard as possible to make it. Uh, I can't promise you that it won't be sometimes emotional or whatever, you know, it's going to be right. Sometimes you're figuring out why it is you've been making these choices. Sometimes you're figuring out like, huh, where does my people pleasing tendencies come from? You know, um, you don't have to worry because it, it just, it just builds and handholds you like the whole way. But the biggest thing is just that, you know, like you have to want to make a change first and foremost, right? Sure. You want to be able to do more and show up better. It's not just going to happen just because you win it. So sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I do believe in the power of the mind and I do believe in you know, manifestation and things like that. But like there is there is some work to be done. <laughs> yeah. Know? You can't just burn some candles and, you know. <laughs> suddenly you can get like all this stuff done and feel great. And, you know, if that was the case, you know, we'd have a very different world. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Now, during the pandemic, how did your company pivot or or pivot? Or did you see an influx of clients that were just like, help? So the model that we created for this was actually one of many. Um, And it was uh, it wasn't until the data revealed this stuff to us in 2020. And then we said, like, we've got to work on this and for it to scale, because it's really our mission that everybody should be able to show up as their full self, right? I, I think it's like a right that everybody should be able sure. to have. It doesn't matter who you are, your life, whatever. Um, for that to happen, we had to be able to scale it. And to scale it, we had to be able to do it without human, right? Yeah. Um, so that took us a minute because we had yeah. to figure out the science behind making that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that took us a minute. And it wasn't until we cracked that, which was at the end of 2021, that we said, let's do this full time properly and focus our, our energy on it. So I love that. Um, that's kind of where we're at. Gotcha. And so how, so what are, what, what do you offer at Evolution? Like if I'm on your website, but I'm an individual or is it me on your website? Cause I'm a corporation, like I'm Google and I'm like, I'm my team of people and they need this. What, what happens next? It's both. And um, so are the individuals or as a company and um, essentially you start with the assessment. It's a reflection exercise. So you'll reflect on different scenarios. Uh, once you take it, it gets analyzed through our, our model. We actually use over 1,200 points of analysis to wow. see a couple of things. One's w- what's blocking you, right? What's your blockers? What's draining your energy, draining your capacity? Two, what's the impact of those blockers in your life? And three, really importantly, how do those blockers play together? Because everything's very, very related. And if you, we want people to get results as fast as possible, right? Sure. So by understanding that, we can actually piece together your roadmap in the best way. Because we know like you should work on this one first because th- then this next one's going to be easier. Um, so it creates your roadmap. And then what happens is, is every week you just get uh, two mini activities to do. 
they're normally either questions to answer, um, like a guided reflection or a process to practice, but very like, like recipes almost. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's it. You just, that's, that's it. You just do that. Just follow it. (laughs) Gotcha. So is there any coaching that comes with it or accountability or is it self-guided? It is, it's guided. Um, and you have a little guide, Serena, that takes you through and explains things. Um, and then if you do need more support, there are options for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's really about you and your journey and you are guided like every single piece of the way. Like, like I said, your little guide talks to you, you know, you've got your sheets, your questions. It's, it's really your journey because nobody, nobody in this world can create a technology yet. I'll say yet. Right. Yeah, um, yet. That really knows you and every single picture in your memory and your past and, and everything. So we tell you and guide you, right. But the journey is yours because you've got to go into your mind. Oh, love this. You know, I have, a, I have a, I interview a lot of coaches. Um, and what you're doing is much, it's not coaching. It's actually science, which I really appreciate. Um, but it is interesting that we, as individuals, we're kind of, we're going through this life, we get to a certain point, And then for some reason, we find, and maybe it's age, experience, or, you know, you know, trauma, we get to this point where we feel this kind of loss and just kind of like where what's happening do you have you seen that in your research that absolutely like, it happens to everybody so absolutely don't, don't feel alone if you're listening to this no not at all <laughs> absolutely because you know what in certain years there's certain things that are guiding your life so you're at school you're at school you're dedicating energy there you get out of school you get your first job you're dedicating energy there you're trying to work your way somewhere like everything's you're moving, moving, moving. And then suddenly you have a moment where you're like, hey, what am I doing? Like you haven't stopped and even looked. Yeah. Like you're like, wait, what do I want to be doing? Or you're really good. This happens a lot too. I call it the plateau. You're really, really good at something. You have clear skills in something. So you start doing projects using these skills and then you become really well known for it because you're so good at it. So you keep getting more projects using these skills. And that can be as you running your own company or you're inside another company, right? You're an employee someone's coming to you with this one. Oh, this person's really good at that. Let's give them this project. And so you're using all your skills and everything and that's great, but you just get to this plateau where you don't feel like you're growing. So that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. The, the plateau. Yeah. And it's hard to, especially when you hit that plateau and you're making money, you have insurance now, or, you know, um, you have a family now that, and you're like, well, wait, I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, I have found that um, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, just because they're really, really good at something, they don't necessarily love to do it. Yeah. And they really struggle with that because yeah. they're like, yes, I'm a, an attorney, but I really want to be, have my own cooking show, you know, and yeah. they won't make that leap. They won't like, do you ha- like, I can understand how this program can be like, here's the support to make that leap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it also comes down to like, what are you setting yourself up for? You see in your brain, what you've just done is you've said the end goal is stop being an attorney, go and do the cooking show. But it's like, there's 500 options in between. We don't have to go all the way there. Your brain doesn't want to fail. And that seems very overwhelming what you've just dreamt up. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, no, let's not get started. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so you're not helping your brain help you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, instead what you could do is just start maybe filming one cooking show segment on YouTube once a month. Totally doable. Still be an attorney, right? Mm -hmm. Like how can you infuse some of what you love? And then as it gets going, you get going. Like 
if we focus on this massive overwhelming end goal, you might not even take the leap because it's just so overwhelming that your brain is going to fight it, right? Oh. It doesn't want to fail, right? It puts you in a state of overwhelm. That's a negative effect. Your brain's going to try and protect you. And the way it will do that is by being like, yeah, just stay in the sucky <laughs> job that you hate because you know the other thing's a bit scary. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Well, it, it, it triggers fear, which, you know, triggers dopamine release, yeah. which triggers all the like fight or flight yeah. serotonin changes. So, and that can happen anytime you're thinking about, well, I want to do the cooking show. And no, you can't do exactly right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what's to stop you? Just start somewhere. One small step. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's break it down. Like, what is it about the cooking show that you really love and you think you're going to enjoy? Can you do it another way in your life? Like, how do you inject the piece of what you enjoy into your life? Mm-hmm. Just start and start. And what you find is as you start doing that, you just keep taking that step forward. And before you know it, you know, you've got a bit more energy and you're feeling a bit more, you know, happy, yeah. right? And then it just gets going. But if you start thinking about that, I got to stop doing this and we're start doing this. How am I going to pay my bills? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I mean at that point, you're just like, yeah, just give up. why why even bother right exactly right um read another self-help book and put it on the shelf (laughs) yeah yeah self-help paralysis right yeah like i love reading about everything that i could do about this okay (laughs) let me just put that on the shelf and i'm done with it yeah Yeah, yeah, i feel really good yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not self-help then if it's sitting on your shelf you gotta Um, do something that's the big secret guys (laughs) right here's the end again another spoiler yes spoiler you gotta do something right but that something doesn't have to be this big scary thing that you've been imagining Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and then when um when you're working with clients and and you, you kind of see their evolution, uh, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, um, I love you it. See their growth and everything. Is it hard to say, okay, little birdie, fly out of your nest and go? What happens next for them? So it's really so people start feeling a bit different normally about two weeks in. So they get their first like little buzz, right? A little hit. Yeah. About four to five weeks in, they really start seeing like the change because it's kind of like this effect, this snowball effect, right? Um, and then, you know, people are just generally on it. Like it's a system to support you in life um, because once you do some training, it works in modules. So you can kind of think of it like a class, a module, you know, mm-hmm. um, you learn the stuff, you learn how to apply it properly, all in these like little weekly chunks, right? Um, and then once you've completed the module, you have um, Serena, your little helper, uh, on hand for when moments occur. So say you've just worked on rumination, right? Mm-hmm worked on stopping ruminating like getting out of your head and all of this stuff you put the work in and you you practice afterwards anytime you feel yourself ruminating you just go onto it and you just um get talked through the situation right Mm. so you just keep training your brain so it's really it's it's there with you um you don't have to book a a time slot with someone to talk about it it's it's you know it's it's just there when situation when situations arise it's actually the biggest opportunity to train your brain so that's how I see it. You know, if something happens, okay, let, let's carry on the train, the training, right? Let's, let's carry now, on, on a completely side note, you have a toddler. Are there times yeah. when you're fascinated by that little one's brain? Like what would make you decide to do that? <laughs> the whole time. My sister actually said to me once, she goes, ah, you know why you seem so calm about this stuff is because I think you think having a child is an experiment, <laughs> like a behavioral experiment. And I said, spot on. It's the best behavioral experiment. I am blown away with just their little brains and it's amazing absolutely amazing and also sometimes annoying you know like if they learn something new like he just learned all his you know squares triangles and all of this 500 times a day I have to hear about circles and triangles it's like he just says it it's like circle triangle 
stop. Circle, triangle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, mummy heard you, love. Mummy heard you. Yeah, okay, yeah. let's go. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> I got all day for you to talk about circles and triangles. Right. Let's, let's Has a lovely video on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I find them fascinating. I find them absolutely fascinating. I also find training them fascinating. Yeah. Like the training component, it just it's it's amazing to me if you can keep doing something, you keep doing it consistently. How they just put the pieces together. It is know? fascinating, and it is. You know, watching the a, a toddler or child's brain develop doesn't matter uh, the race, the religion, where they're brought up, anything. It's consistent. They're all going to walk yeah. eventually around this age. They're all going to kind of figure out language around this age. It's really, yeah. really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really it's 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 super fun. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. That's so cool. Well, then I'm sure when you're working with adults, you're like, come on, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm like, come on now. Let's, let's, let's all channel our toddler brain. You know, if we could all do that a little bit, we'd all feel great. Like nothing stops them. I mean, he literally bashes into the wall and doesn't even care. He just like carries on because his objective is must get this toy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for it's, whatever it's reason. Yeah. So resilient. And so, uh, I mean, I, so honest I, I, I swear too, to right? teaching. Oh, yeah. super honest. Super. Mm-hmm. Do you want the, no? <laughs> it's like, you know, okay, then you don't want that one. I understand. Right. Got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let it, let your yeah. feelings be known. <laughs> right. Now, what's some advice you would give someone um, who's listening to this, who's kind of in the throes of something right now? Well, like, uh, so there's a lot of things I could say, but I'd say there's a, a a couple that I think are like really important. So one I know we touched on is ask yourself why. Like if you really want to change something, ask yourself, why am I making the same choice again? Like where does that come from and why do I make that choice? That's really important if you want to actually make the change easier for you, right? The second is to 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 like really seriously be good with you, like flaws and all. That's the most liberating thing in the world because people have fear about like, oh, if someone sees this part of me, they have some power of me. I'm vulnerable. Like it's going to actually, it's the opposite. If you are good with you, there is nothing anyone can do to you. Like, what can they do to you if you're good with you? Like, you if I don't care about power, it, right? yeah. like, what, I mean, if you want to think about it, you go right ahead and waste your energy. <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, you know, so just really being good with yourself. Like, we all have parts of ourselves that we're like, yeah, you know. Oops, we've all been there, made a mistake. We've all been at some level of bottom. Like, you know, like it, it is what it is. Like we're not defined by it, right? right? So that's a big one is just don't waste your capacity on things like other people's thoughts and stuff you can't control and all of this stuff, right? Um, and then thirdly, like stop thinking of self-care as selfish. Like literally it's the only way to be your best self and your best self for others and the people that you have to look after. And if your self-care is 10 minutes to yourself every day, half an hour to yourself every day, that is just as important as eating and drinking water. And, you know, like you just can't be your best self for anyone else unless you're taking care of yourself. Right. So a lot of people are like, Oh, I feel selfish to do this, or I haven't got the time because I have to do this and this. Well, you're going to stay stuck in that rut for a while unless you stop that and really do see how can I, you know, how can I be good to myself? Yeah, it's so important because I it is typically of women the first thing we we let go of off of our to-do list, off of our, you know, like everything Absolutely. we have to do every day. Oh, self-care, uh, whether it's meditate, go to the gym, um, what take 20 minutes and read, we immediately take it off our list. Exactly right. And as yeah. I said, don't take it off, shift it to another time during the day, 
reduce it, but never take it off. So if you had planned half an hour to do something and your day just, we all have them, right? Shit, the fan and Mm -hmm. there we go, right? Excuse my French. Um, uh, Watch your fucking mouth. Oh, uh, my kind of girl. So, (laughs) um, you know, that happens, right? Don't remove it. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to do eight minutes later kids have gone to bed or whatever just never remove it because that consistency just teaches your brain that you're making the choice and it will be easier so you know shift things don't keep adding things right we often add we don't say what am I going to shift right we just assume that some hourlessly going to appear in the day five new requests came in oh five new hours must have come in too and it's like no no right so shifting things when things come in if you really have to do it then what do I shift? Like ask yourself, how do I make space for things, right? Is this something I need to be saying yes to? It's actually not as overwhelming as it may sound to suddenly have a ton more capacity to get more done and feel really good. It's a few things that you just need to be aware of and then do. And it's just like these little behaviors that just add up. Because I have to tell you, I've been doing, I'm my own company's guinea pig, right? So it's the yeah. very first algorithm so I've been doing this for, for a few years and honest to God, there's no way I could do what I do now, the, the rate I do it, if I hadn't trained my brain like that. I don't even know where I would have, what would have happened to me in honesty. Like it, it baffles me because even I'm like, oh, holy shit, that works so well. You know? so, um, but yeah, it's honestly, it's the best thing you can do. It's like when the data showed us that capacity was really the key to everything, it made a lot of sense. So we probably knew it already, but we just didn't know how to tackle it, right? Because if you think about it, if you don't have capacity, your relationships aren't that great because you don't have the space to meet someone where they're at, see their perspectives. Like you have a really stressy day at work. You come home, you be a bitch to your husband sometimes. Yeah. Right? You snap at them. We take it, you, you don't have time to like, them chewing is annoying. I always use that example because it happens. You get really stressed and then you go home. You're like, why are you chewing like that? Right? <laughs> so capacity affects your relationships affects your innovation your brain doesn't have room for ideas to to formulate or for you to see solutions right it affects your well-being obviously because you can't regulate your emotions you know it's just it's it's the root cause of a lot of things um i i love that and let's cue the siren okay um (laughs) it's so true and i i noticed that and just to make it about me, <laughs> when my capacity it's been a bit too much about me. So <laughs> when my capacity is depleted, I'm I'm listening to you, and I was like, oh, I do get snappish. Oh, I do just don't want to cook, and I'll just okay order something quick. You know, I and I do sacrifice. You know, something that's my own self care, um, and then I feel guilty about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. Now it, my, the whole day's ruined. So why even bother? Um, and I go down that downward spiral, but then I, it's hard for me to get out of that when my capacity is depleted. It's like, Oh, it's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah. And it builds, right. And it's like knock on effect after knock on effect, mm-hmm. but that's the key. The key is training your brain to respond differently. Yeah. Your brain has to do three things, right. Has to see the situation, has to interpret it, and then has to re- choose how to respond. The better you do those three things the better choices you make in every moment, right? And we make something like 355,000 semi-conscious choices a day, 
So imagine if you're making them all really optimal. So I say, the system, this is what it does. It turns you into like a Sherlock Holmes on crack. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like just seeing things, analyzing things, making good choices, deducing things um, because your brain has the space to do it. And that's what it comes down to. Otherwise, you are surrendering yourself to the external, external forces, right? That are just pushing you into whatever direction. But you can regain control over all of that, right? You just got to get rid of those blockers. Yes. Regaining control. I love all of that. Wow. This has been so great, Sarah. Um, uh, tell us all the places we can find you to continue this conversation and learn more about Mevolution. So you can find us at um, www.jointhemevolution.com. Because <laughs> me, it is. It's a revolution. It's a human revolution because it is the time for humans to really regain control. Like enough of us being in this. If you literally look at the data for well-being, like stress, anger, there we've not seen a really massive decline, you know, it's just either stayed the same or it's gone up or it's gone down a tiny bit or like, it's like, it's time. It's time for us to reclaim our minds, get our energy back, like and show up. This is all so, so fascinating to me. In fact, I'm excited for uh, when you have your Ted talk because this (laughs) would be perfect for the Ted talk stage. Uh, Maybe a book, maybe in your free time with the toddler, I'm going to jot down a book <laughs> well I did jot down one called the wellness formula but it's it's really it's the output of the research so it talks gotcha. about the 12 factors so it's called the wellness formula okay um, we're gonna put that in the show notes too oh yeah yeah awesome yeah, yeah. awesome yeah it, it was just something I just decided I was like a lot of people ask a lot of questions so I was like let me just write it once and then it's <laughs> there you go I love I, well and this sounds like a great resource so I'm I'm fascinated by all of this um but before we wrap up we have to get carried away so I'm dying to know what something, uh, if a plane landed in your front door and said, COVID's gone, you can travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? I'm back to London. Yeah. I haven't been back for a while. I need to go back oh, I and love uh, that. absorb myself in some of my, my things that I love over there. You know? uh, what do you miss so, most? Oh, I miss a lot of things, but it's really like random stuff, like a really good fish and chips. Yeah. Like it, a lot of it's food driven, like a really good fish and chips. <laughs> a good pub. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a lot of food driven stuff where you're just like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I haven't had it in so long. And yeah, the pubs, like the pub culture, like, you know, like there's not so many pubs here. It's more like bar, bar, or bar. like, you yeah. know, just like. And pubs are more about like hanging out with your community than they are. Yeah. You know, it's just like a place that people go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, definitely. That's definitely. where I'd be hopping back to. Gotcha. Gotcha. And during the pandemic. And then after that, Costa Rica, Japan, and right. all the places that I love. <laughs> Keep the jet fueled. We got places yeah, yeah, to yeah. go. Please do. Yeah, we got places to go, people. <laughs> I love it. Um, and during the pandemic, you know, what, what kept you busy other than this amazing job? Um, what would you get carried away about? Was it food, uh, binging, podcasts? What were you doing? So I, it's not really a pandemic thing, although the pandemic, like I've done more usual. But uh, three things that spring to mind when you say that, like music for sure. I've always got some. I listen to a lot of soca, salsa, reggaeton. Like nice. I've always got some. Like it's really like just fun, upbeat music, like in the background. Crime shows. Some really good British ones that I watch. Unforgotten, Line of Duty. Oh. Uh, I re I rewatch Silent Witness. Um, I it. also like uh, where they explore like technology in a dark way. I don't know. Have you heard of the one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know they match people. I don't know. I don't know if people like uh, they match people based on their DNA. Like yeah, the yeah, yeah. Side. Yeah. So, so cool. I like I like the dark side of tech. You know, Black Mirror is that kind of thing. And then uh, definitely, definitely food. 
I love, I love, I love food. Like I said, good food, but I, I have such a range. It's like a good fish and chips, a good sushi, really yummy empanadas, yeah. like truffle parmesan fries, some really <laughs> good wings. Like I'm just like, I'm all over the shop, but I just love food in general. So <laughs> <laughs> do I. Just yeah. a car by turn away. Okay, um, so when we get to meet up, we'll have some good food and we'll have some music on and we'll watch some crime shows. <laughs> I'm, I'm in for all of that. Uh, be careful because I'm going to be knocking on your door. <laughs> um, and, and then, of course, my last question is always, um, what are a couple things that you cannot stand that people get so carried away about? Um, my example is kombucha. I don't, I don't get it. It tastes a little syrupy to me. I just, but people, especially here in Los Angeles, love kombucha. Like it's like the, the water from the gods. I just can't oh, do it. I, I don't think I even have tasted that in my entire life. Not so I am, I am also like, I'm really well known for not being very current in anything like technology and the brain stuff. Yes. But like not current in like life stuff. So I'm not really a fatty like person. Um, but yeah, definitely that doesn't sound like something for me. I recently did see something like, ah, oh, they're like, really low carb noodles I was like this is interesting let me try and cook this oh my god the nastiest thing I've ever liked oh no thank you not at all I'm I'm also not super bothered by fashion Mm, okay like it just astounds me wait a minute your handbag is the cost of a house yeah for why like um I just I'm just not bothered by fashion I'm just like I don't really care whether you like my clothes or don't like my like why are you even thinking about my clothes Right. Like, you have something else to spend your energy on. Like, I, just, I like, you know, I, I'm just not that bothered by fashion. I don't know. Are there any other fads that I've missed? Because I feel like I never know what's going on. Well, uh, well, Megan and Harry moved. So I don't know if you're oh, on top yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, not super, to be honest with you. Like, I'm like, I just, why am I, why do I need to spend time worrying about other people's life? Am I living their life? No. Do I have their money? No. Do I have like, so, so why am I going to spend any of my day concerned? I just like, don't. <laughs> don't give it yeah uh, there's a lot of people that don't really follow celebrity culture or the tabloids or or things like that they're just like okay go like that's your- great I'm happy for you right. congratulations I guess like right. I don't know you like, right. live your best life if you're at capacity if you're depleted, yeah. find me <laughs> yeah exactly if you're depleted come find me we'll we'll sort that right out within a number of weeks <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm sure that Megan can use your help. That's for sure. Uh, she, give me a call. Give me a call. I've always got time for people that need help. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been so, so interesting and intriguing. And I can't wait to, I'm actually like ready to go. Like sign me up. I want my I'm, I'm going to send start. it to you. You can take the evaluation. Oh, I'm excited. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Have a good one. Right. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me and getting carried away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray, founder of the Bra Network, Bra Business Relationship Alliance. We are a network of female entrepreneurs that lift and support each other. If you're a female entrepreneur looking for community, collaboration, and all kinds of fun, head over to bra-network.com and check out our membership. Hope to see you there.